one of the side effects that we've discovered over the past year or so from COVID is that you can lose your sense of smell, uh, which is an interesting phenomenon. It didn't happen to me, but uh, Leanna tells me about it, and it's a strange thing to not be able to smell things. But one of the things that happens, has happened with that, is when people either lose their sense of smell or when it starts to come back, there's this phenomenon where they can only smell one smell or not the full range of smells, but only one or two different smells. It's got a term, it's called parosmia. I think I pronounced that right. Parosmia. But it's this idea of where we can really only smell one or two things. And uh, when surveyed, people will usually say that it smells something like rotten something. Rotten eggs, rotten meat, just some kind of rotten smell is one of the smells. So obviously you can put it together. If that's the only smell you can smell, well, you might want to go back to not smelling anything, right? It might be better. But, you know, we, uh, people who have this happen to them, they, they have this limited range of smell, and it really makes you think about whether what you're smelling, if it actually smells like that, or if this is just, you know, your brain not picking up on what it smells like, or your nose not picking it up. In other words, is this what it life really smells like, or is it is it actually better and I'm just not sensing it, I'm not recognizing it, right? And so really that's kind of similar to what we're looking at this morning in the Bible. We have these responses talked about, these perceptions of what Jesus is like, these senses. And it's really split. It's not this wide range of responses, but the Bible narrows it down really to just these two responses to Jesus. So even if we have, you might say you have this wide perception of Jesus, you know, you ask a hundred people and they give you a lot of different answers of what Jesus is like, how their response to him is. Really, the Bible boils it down to really just two responses. And so if we're not categorizing ourselves in those responses, maybe we haven't perceived him correctly yet. Uh, and so that is really something our passage talks about this morning, these two responses to Jesus. So if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to look at the end of chapter 10, verses 34 through 42 this morning. Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 34, and the word of the Lord says this. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake 
will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Amen. May God open our eyes to see his truth this morning. So you remember in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus has been preparing the disciples. He, at the end of chapter 9, he said, The harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, workers into the harvest. And then Jesus, almost as answering his own prayer, he sends out the disciples into the harvest to go minister, to share his word, to heal the sick with those who are wandering about the helpless and the harassed is how they're described. And so Jesus, in chapter 10, he's preparing them. What is it going to be like when you go out? What are you going to face? What kind of responses are you going to have? What do you need to be prepared for? So we've seen that in chapter 10. We've seen the responses of the, the disciples, what they're going to face, the responses of other people. Well, we continue to see that this morning. And really, here as Jesus starts this final section of the chapter, he's really setting our expectations, right? So this is what you're going to face, but this is what you should expect to face. And he tells us that people will reject his messengers. So how do people respond to Jesus? This is one way. People respond to Jesus by rejecting him. And in rejecting Jesus, they're also rejecting those who proclaim his message, we see that principle where the messenger and the, the giver of the message, they're tied together. We see that in verses 40 through 42. And so we see that also as people reject us when we give his message, right? But it's not just people out there, right? The people we would expect to, to care for us and to, to love us no matter what, even if they disagree with us or think we're a little crazy, Right? If, if there's anyone that would still accept us, we would expect that to be our family. Right? The, the bond we have with family, we would expect that to, to carry on, even if there's disagreements or a little bit of strife. Eventually, right, they're family. And so you're there for them. But Jesus says that's really not what we should expect. That can happen, and it does happen, but the expectation is that those who disagree with Jesus and reject him will also disagree and reject us. It's like that aroma, right? That aroma of Christ. Some are drawn to it and some are repulsed by it. And so even if the world would expect that, us as Christians, we realize that to associate with Jesus means that we might lose people around us. Uh, if we are saying the truth of Jesus, even if it's not in a, a harsh or a mean or a demeaning way, right? People oppose Jesus and his message, and so we shouldn't expect people to just 
be okay with us even though they disagree with our message. That's what Jesus is preparing us for. He's really pointing us to that deeper spiritual reality. Because if you are in a family and you start talking about Jesus, you've been changed by him, you've been uh, renewed by him, you've got a new mission, you've been made holy, and he changes your life, and you start talking about that, you start living differently, and the people around you recognize that, then that might cause a rift if they're not on board with that, if they're not also trying to pursue Jesus and follow Jesus. And Jesus says that, listen, this is pointing to a deeper spiritual reality, because there's not this full range of how you respond to Jesus. There's really only two responses. The Bible in the New Testament talks about this kingdom of light and this kingdom of darkness. And we wrestle against spiritual darkness. And we see in John 3.19 that the light has come into the world and people rejected it. They rejected the light because they love the darkness. right? And so there's this distinct separation between the two kingdoms. And so we should expect that as we are being messengers of the kingdom of light, that we'll have the same response. People respond to us just like they did to Jesus. That's what Jesus says. Set this as your expectation. right? We know sometimes people are uh, nicer or more receptive to that or still care about us, right? But our expectation should not be that's what's always going to happen. But instead, People will probably interact with me like they did with Jesus, if I'm following Jesus. And so Jesus really, he says he comes to expose our allegiances. He came to divide. He came to clearly show us which side we are on. And that division, that side, which side we're on, it goes everywhere. It's not just us versus them. It's It happens within families as well. And so the reality is that not everyone receives Jesus. And that grieves us. That should grieve us. It should, should make us pray for our family members, for the lost, for those around us, and, and continue proclaiming the message. But not everyone will receive Jesus. The question is to us, we shouldn't be caught off guard by that, but how are we going to respond to Jesus in that moment? Not just to our family members, but how will I respond to Jesus? Right? And so following Jesus means we have this real possibility that we might lose some people around us, that our family might not come with us, they might not receive Jesus. And so in that moment, as Jesus prepares us, he's, he's wanting us to think, who are you going to hold on to more? He's, he's really telling us to count the costs. This is what it might cost you to follow me. If you're going to hold on to me tightly, then you might have, you will have to hold other things loosely. Even when those things are the nearest and dearest things to us, like our family, which is why he says, whoever loves father or mother more than me, whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Because when we hold those things tighter, when we're not willing to give those things to God, 
to be willing to hold those with an open hand when it means we're holding fast onto God, then it means we're actually loving those things more than we're loving Him. And this is the hard truth. It's a hard truth that Jesus tells us in this passage. But it means that no matter how strong our commitment or ties are to other people here on earth, we must be willing to lay those down in order to follow Jesus. And so you think of the example, if our, if our spouse is not following Jesus, or not walking down that path, then we must not go down the path with them. We must not let them uh, slowly corrode our, our devotion to Jesus, but instead we must stay committed to Jesus firmly, even if it means that we won't be as close, so to speak, because we won't get to share in that spiritual joy, that spiritual reality. Often you'll, you'll think about the example with, uh, with a girl who wants to date a guy who's not a Christian, right? And so the girl will say, well, she's, she's able to tell him about Jesus, right? She's able to, to be a good example, to be able to share the gospel with him. And so it's not a bad thing for her to, to date a non-Christian. Well, we've heard testimonies like that. You might have known some where people do get saved through their spouse dating them. But that's probably not the norm. More often, it's probably the case that if we're willing to, to compromise on what God says there, that we shouldn't marry an unbeliever. And by extrapolation, maybe we probably shouldn't be pursuing a, the possibility of a marriage relationship with an unbeliever. If we're willing to compromise on that, then it, it will most likely lead to compromises in other areas and other compromises down the road as well. And that's an example of how we must be willing to hold things with an open hand, to let Jesus drive and guide our relationships, and not just who we're in a relationship with, but how we relate to them. So we think about family. If our family life gets in the way of following Jesus, if it interferes with our, our, our Bible reading and prayer and our attendance at church, or we're, we're just less likely to talk about Jesus with them because we, just, we just don't want to upset the peace, right? We've had it happen. We've, we talked to them before, but when it comes up, someone's always not happy at the end, and then it's just, you just don't want to keep going down that path, right? But if our family, in that sense, is hindering us from doing what we see in the Bible that we are supposed to do, that we're commanded to do in following Jesus, then we might be holding on to them more, tighter, than we're holding on to Jesus. And we must not let that happen. That must not be our response. This is why Jesus says to take up our cross. This is the cost in this passage that he's talking about, that it might cost us in these areas. But we must be willing, again, to hold things with an open hand. It's not that family is bad. We see all throughout the New Testament that we should be devoted to family and willing to sacrifice for our families. This is a good thing. 
But it's when we elevate them above God, when we hold them tighter than we hold what God says, these other commandments, that's when we love them more. And Jesus warns against that. And really, you know, you could say this is at the heart of the gospel, right? Holding on to Jesus more tightly than anything else is really the heart of the gospel. You remember the, the parable about the, the man who found the pearl of great price. He went and sold all that he had so he could have the pearl. He found the treasure buried in the field. He went and sold all that he had so he could get that treasure. Right? He was willing to give up all that he had because he knew that this thing was the best, the most important, the most valuable, the highest priority in his life. And really that's the heart of what it means to be a Christian, to follow Jesus. It means that we understand the great value and worth that Jesus has and we're willing to to hold things with an open hand, to, to possibly lose things if we might gain Jesus. And that's how the Apostle Paul talked, right? You remember that language from Philippians, 2, from Philippians 3, where he said, I count all things lost so that I may gain Christ. The surpassable riches, the insurpassable riches of knowing Christ, my Lord, and following him. And so this is the description Jesus says. This is how some people will respond to Jesus. This is how we should respond. But Jesus also says not everyone's going to reject him. right? And that's what verses 40 through 42 are about. Some people will receive the messengers of Jesus. And as we think about this, we really find these principles, two principles that how we interact with the messengers of Jesus, how we interact with the people of God affects our reward. That's what Jesus says here. How we interact with the people of God, the messengers of God, impacts the reward we have in following him. This is really, you remember Jesus said, lay up your treasures in heaven. Well, here's one way you can lay up treasures in heaven. How are you interacting with the people of God, the, the people who are on mission for God. When we, for instance, support a missionary and someone is saved through their work, then we're sharing in that. We receive the same reward as them, as the person who is out there sharing the gospel in a foreign country. If we're supporting them, if we're praying for them, if we're giving to them so that they can be there, then we share in that same reward. When we spend time with a friend, if you have a friend who just overflows the Bible, it just flows out of them. Uh, they're great friends to have. We share a reward by being around them, right? Often we just get the blessing of being encouraged and uh, reproved and strengthened by being around them, right? That's a reward, but there's reward in that. When we look out and take care for the smallest Christian, the smallest seemingly most insignificant member of our church. There's reward in that. And the, the second thing to notice, and as we close, we'll close with this, the second thing to notice is that right after Jesus talks about the possible cost of losing family, right? he says that there will be division when we have to set our highest priorities. If we set our highest priority on Jesus and others don't, then that will probably lead to a rift, a, a, a division, even if it's just a drifting, right? The thing that Jesus says right after that, and this is just so 
amazing, so comforting, so gracious of God. Right? He says that we may lose family, but when we follow God, you also gain family. That's basically what he's saying here, because you, you will be received, right? Some will reject you as you go on this mission, as you go as, as you go on this mission, but others will receive you. Right? Others will receive you. In other words, we have that bond. We will maybe not find it from the people we, we want it from the most and long for it the most, but we will receive that in the family of God. That this is the kindness and goodness of God, that the Christian life is full of much sacrifice. It is about bearing a cross and holding the things closest to us with an open hand. And yet as we do that, God also is rewarding to us. I think this is the meaning of verse 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. When we hold those things with an open hand, and we hold firm to Jesus, even if we lose some things, we're actually gaining life. We think we'll miss out on life. Our life will be not as full, not as uh, joyful, not as good if we lose out on these things, if we have family that doesn't come along with us. But Jesus is saying, when you follow me, you'll actually find life. You'll actually gain life. When we lose life, we find it. We gain And these are the responses that we see in this passage. These responses to Jesus. Responses from people who hear the message. Some receive it. Some reject it. And a reminder of how our response should be. No matter what response others have, we must hold on to him and love him more. And that is what keeps us close, what drives us in this mission Jesus. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we are, we're thankful for your word. May we love you more. May we love you more than other things in our life. Lord, there are good things that you have blessed us with in our life. We are thankful for family. We are thankful for friends and the people around us. Lord, we want to love them well and we want to make sure that we are obeying you. And we know that as we obey you, that is how we truly love people around us the best. And Lord, help us to love you more, to hold firm to you, to not be willing to compromise or slack off or uh, not uh, fully follow you but may we be fully devoted to you. And Lord, as we do that, may we have opportunities this week afresh to to talk to family members about you, to talk to family members and maybe invite them to church, to talk to family members and see how they're doing, not just in life, but how they're doing spiritually and to be able to have those conversations, Lord. 
And we thank you that you receive us, that you have given us a church family that receives us and gathers around us, and that you are good to us and gracious to us in that way. Lord, we are thankful for your word. May you continue to grow us in holiness through it. In Jesus' name.